0: Amen. Did you guys like that? There you go. You got a whole Bible in three minutes. So uh, thank you for being here today. That was the sermon. No, I'm joking. Um, I'm kidding. Um, Welcome everybody here today to Thrive Church. If you're a first-time guest, make sure you got a life book from us. And if you did, make sure you fill out the guest card inside because we have something free that we want to send you. Free stuff's good, isn't it? So make sure that you fill that out and get it back to us. Uh, You can give it back to me or to my lovely wife. When you see her, she kind of handles that stuff for me and does a good job with it. I want to say this before we get started today. Um, Thank you for yesterday. We gave away around 300 bags of school supplies partnered with Bensley Elementary, and we totally blessed that school. And Principal Cooper was so excited to see the spirit and the attitude of everybody here at this church. And I want to say thank you guys. That. I'm going to tell you something. That was the best back to school bash I have ever been a part of. And I've done plenty of them. Amen? And I've been in churches a lot larger. But it's not about the size and numbers. It's about the size of the people inside. Amen? And thank you guys. Um, I believe and I'm going to step out in faith. I know some people were skeptical that we could even do what we did. And um, I like skeptics a little bit. Don't you like being the underdog sometimes? Makes you feel good. Well... I'm going to continue to be the underdog. I'm going to set out a challenge for you for next year. It got really quiet. Everybody's looking with anticipation. I believe next year we can do two campuses in one day at the same time. Okay, so somebody don't help me in here. But I believe that we can do two campuses. Two. See, there's, n- there's not a, a school going into a church. I, I mean, a church going into a school that's doing that for schools. Churches continue to minister out, you know, outside um, or inside their walls, but not to a school. And Principal Cooper says the first time that she had ever seen a church say, "Let's go to your school and do something like that." But I have another school also interested. So I believe we can do it. Amen. Do you guys, do you guys believe we can do that? I believe we can raise enough for twice as many school supplies and do two schools in one day. We're going to pray if God opens that door and leads us into it, we're going to do that because I'm telling you Thrive Church is not about just what happens here at Sunday Experience. It's about what happens outside these walls. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you're new here, I believe if a church does not do outreach, it's not a true church. If it's only about what we do on Sundays and Wednesdays, then man, let's just pack up and go do something else. Amen? I can watch TV and hear preaching. But you can't watch TV and go out and meet needs in the community. Amen? I can watch TV preachers and get a word, but you can't, you can't go out in the community. And I believe that's got to be a key for a church. So that's one of the things that my heart is very dear to. So I want to say thank you to you guys. I was very impressed with you. Um, I saw good attitudes. I saw 99% good attitudes. That's pretty good. Amen? Um, the 1% may have came from me. I threw it back on me. It was a good time yesterday. Thank you guys so much. We gotta turn our attention to something real quick. Our grand opening's coming up. And what you'll see back there is you see door hangers and you see these invite cards. We're having our big launch day. Launch day is huge. Grand opening is to invite everybody we know to this place. I believe we can fill this place up on September 30th. Amen? What we're doing that day is we're having actually a free meal after our worship experience. We're having inflatables for kids. We're going to have free gift card giveaways. And we're trying to get the fire truck out here also to to be here for kids to play on and get to to, to meet firemen and do all that. That's all on September 30th at 10 a.m. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Now, here's what I want you to do. Maybe, you know, you're new here. Maybe you've been here for a while, a part of the core team. I want you to help me with something. Work with me until September 30th. If you say, man, I've just come today and I'm not really sure about this place, help me until then. And then pray and see where God puts you at because I really need your help. I believe that there's people out there that are looking to experience Christ. And I'm telling you something, man, you could change somebody's life with this little card here. You literally could change the course of somebody's life and their eternal destiny just by handing the lady at the toll booth the card and saying, I go to a great church. Amen? So we have plenty of those out there. September 30th, we're going to be working toward that on Wednesday nights. When we meet here on Wednesdays, I'm going to be sharing with you what it's going to take with our guest services, our kids' ministries, with everything to get ready for that day and what happens after that. I just talked with a pastor. um, in Colonial Heights, and their church went from, you know, 50 or 100 to about 900 in uh, two years. And we're talking about launch strategy. And he said, man, y'all got a great strategy going. He said, we didn't even have everything that, that you guys are doing. You guys, Some of you guys know who I'm talking about. And we had lunch this week. I believe we can blow this place up. Amen? Y'all believe that? Amen? Awesome. Well, that's, that's what we're here about. If you will turn your Bibles, let's get to the Word this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 8. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. As you know, we've been in a series called Dangerous Church, investigating the book of Acts and seeing how that church was dangerous. Now, realize this, when I played football, July was like the worst month ever. Because in July, you didn't get pads. Anybody play football, you know what I'm talking about. You didn't get pads in July. You had to run, 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 and run. I mean, that's all we did. we show up and just run. And we're like, this is stupid, man. I want to hit somebody. And we didn't understand that the coach was preparing us for something. And finally, on the last day of of those workouts, we had to run about a three-mile loop. It was on a Saturday morning. And when you got done with the loop, guess what? You actually got a chance to get your pads then. And our coaches ran us so hard. I had friends on other schools. I'd be like, man, you know, our coaches are just killing us. Are your coaches doing that? No, our coaches aren't doing that, man. We get, out, we get out early. We do this. I'm thinking, man, I'm these guys are mean. But I realized something. They were preparing us for the fourth quarter. Because when you sat, and they told us, when you get in front of that other guy, and you're, and you're down there, and you're in front of him, he says, I want in the fourth quarter, I want him to be huffing and puffing, and I want them to be sweating and out of energy, and I want you still ready to kick their butt. That's what they told us. And so they ran us and ran us, and you know what? Our We still had the best records ever at my high school, ever. I love talking to students now, I'm like, yeah, man, we got the best records ever. You know why? Because the coaches were preparing us for the season. The pain that we were experiencing, all that we were going through was preparing us for what was coming. And you got to realize there's fourth quarters in your life too. There's times when you face stuff that you're going through and you're wondering, God, will I ever get through this? Can we make it through this season? And God is preparing you so you can handle more in the next season. I had somebody tell me this one time. They said, this is the the, um, least amount of responsibility you'll ever have. I thought, wow. And it's true. Right now today, it's probably the least amount of responsibility you will ever have. Life does not get easier. Can anybody say amen? But God prepares you for it. I want to speak to you about that today, the purpose of your persecution. Look at Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. We spoke last week that was Stephen, the first martyr of the church. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Let me just say this real quick. All except the apostles. Do you remember when the, 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 really the first martyr happened in Christianity was Jesus? He was crucified? What, what happened to the apostles? They all scattered, didn't they? Everybody except for John left. And it's funny here that the apostles didn't scatter this time. That goes to show you that God's a God of second chances. And he prepared them for this, this here. So they stayed. Everybody else scattered. Say scatter. That's the key to this morning's message. Say scattered again. You guys didn't do good. Okay, you did better that time. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. (laughs) Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That's the key to this message today. They preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Father, I ask this morning that you would help me to communicate your word clearly. God, I pray that we all would have somewhat of the question asked why. We all ask why are we going through this? Why are we facing this? God, I pray that we would have a big picture perspective. I pray that we would be able to see God as you see so we can do as you say. God, I pray for every person here today, God, you have divinely brought them here, Lord, for this message, for this time, God. I pray for open hearts to the word of God. May you make our hearts soft to receive the seed and may it, Lord God, not return void, Lord. I thank you for this privilege and this opportunity to preach your word, Lord. In in Jesus' name, amen. This is the turning point of Christianity, what we're talking about today. I, I prepped you for it last week, remember? In Acts 7, we see Stephen martyred. He was the, one of the deacons that were chosen. He was full of faith, full of wisdom. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was He was the prototype Christian, right? He was a good dude, and he served people. And in the middle of being obedient, he was martyred. And I told you last week that there's consequences to obedience, too. You've heard preachers say, you better watch out, there's consequences to disobedience. You go watch that movie and you may get struck with lightning. Right? You guys have heard that? I have. I've been there. I talked to one older guy who he led music at a church I was at. He said that he went, and went to the picture show. Some of y'all know what I meant when I say picture shows. The older group's like, I have no clue, it's a movie. He said he went to the picture show and he watched this army movie. And his, his, his preacher had said, if you go to those picture shows, God's going to get you. You've heard that preaching before. He left the picture show. I'm, I just like to use that, that word. It's probably the only time I ever get to use it. He said his left leg began to hurt. And he fell to the ground and cried out to God. As he thought God was striking him dead for watching the picture show. Um, That wasn't the case. His leg actually got better and God didn't strike him down for that. But I said all that to say this. We think there's consequences to disobedience, and there there are. Okay, I'll speak about that later. But there's consequences to being obedient to the will of God. And sometimes when you're obedient to what God has called you to do, you do have to suffer in that. And the worst thing you can do when you're facing suffering in the will of God is question, did we make the right choice? Uh, There were times when I moved to Florida with three people and no money and no job and we started a church in Florida that I wondered, did I make the right choice? Um, friends, when they hold worship, a worship service today and people are still being saved, I know I made the right choice. Amen? I'll uh, in here, there'll be times, uh, none yet, but there'll be times when I'll say, did we make the right choice? Did, did God really call us because of suffering? And you got to realize when you're doing what God's called you to do, sometimes you're going to suffer with it. And that's what we see here. Stephen was in the middle of the will of God and he was martyred. And this shook the church up. So what happened was they got scared and they scattered. They... They, would, they hit the road. And they all began to, to scatter to different cities. Now I want you to realize this is the turning point of Christianity. If you want to understand how we are here today, it's because of this chapter. When he was martyred and they spread, the gospel began to go to the ends of the earth. And, and wherever they went, they began to share the gospel. And what you see here, the first seven or eight chapters of the book of Acts, and bear with me, I'm going to teach a little bit to you, is about the Jews being saved. It was in Jerusalem, to Jerusalem, by Jews, for Jews, okay? And God was saving people in Jerusalem. But when Stephen was martyred and they spread, the gospel then began to go to Gentiles. Who are Gentiles as me and you? See, they were only focused on their little group. They were only focused on those like them. And after Stephen was martyred, they began to reach Gentiles. They began to go out and do what God had called the church to do because of that. I want to just tell you this. It seemed like the worst tragedy you could face. Stephen, you just read that they they mourned deeply for him. Stephen martyred. Stephen killed. I mean, could you imagine if one of the people, just imagine in your mind right now, the person who you really just believe is on fire for God and is doing the best work for God ever. Right now. You you know somebody. maybe, Maybe it's a missionary. Maybe it's somebody, and you know this person. Imagine if you got word that they were martyred on foreign soil. Imagine the hurt and the pain that would happen because of that, right? Imagine that. But friends, I want you to realize that's what happened to them. But it wasn't the worst situation. It was the best thing ever for the church. The gospel began to spread out and i want to tell you today, some of you are sitting here in your circumstance, you're like, God, why am I going through this? Why this tragedy? Why this pain? Why this sickness? Why are we going through what we're going through? But I'm telling you, if you'll get a big picture of you, God is going to use that in your life to do things that you never could have done before. I'm going to tell you something, I would not be prepared for this endeavor if I would not have went through the pain of starting a church from nothing in Florida. Amen? God prepares you by using pain. And this morning that's what I want to talk about because some of you in here need to realize that God is in control and He's sovereign even in your sufferings, as I said last week. See 1 Corinthians 2.8 says this, just write this in your notes, just write this in your notes we gave you. It says, if the rulers of this age would have known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the rulers of this age only would have known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Who are the rulers of this age? It's the demonic forces of this age. You, have, you do have Satan and demons. And I hate to bust your bubble if you think everything's hunky-dory and everything's positive. We have an enemy. And Satan believed that he was actually doing something great in his demons by crucifying Jesus. If we can kill this guy, he will stop healing people. He'll stop preaching salvation. We can get rid of him. But what Satan didn't know is, is kind of like this. And some of y'all will know what I'm saying. He killed Jesus, but it was like Bebe's kids. We didn't die, we multiplied. See, it was one man that could do one thing, and that was Jesus. If he was in Judea, he was healing in Judea. If he was in uh, Jerusalem, it was Jerusalem. But when he died, guess what happened? It started a movement where we all have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's why we're called Christians. That means that we can see right now across the world the gospel's being preached. Right now across the world things are happening. And if Satan would have known, he wouldn't have done that. He did not see it coming. And let me just say this to you today, man. If Satan only would have known of what he's doing to you and what it's going to create, he wouldn't do that to you. But he thinks that by putting that on you, he's going to destroy you. He thinks by putting you in that situation, he's going to bring you down. But I'm going to tell you something. If you respond correctly, then you'll see yourself multiplied. It's just like this. The Bible says this, Moses is dead. Joshua 1. Ever read that? Moses, my servant, is dead. It was the five words that changed history. See, the Israelites loved Moses. Moses was like the pastor um, that you like put his picture up in the foyer and then you like, as you walk by, you you talk about that one guy that did all this great stuff. And they love Moses. I mean, Moses brought them out of Egypt. They should. He did a great job. He set up all that for them. But they couldn't enter the promised land with Moses. They could only enter the promised land with Joshua. And so Moses and God took a walk and only God came back. Work that out in your own theology. We don't know how Moses died, but him and God went to the mountain and only God come back. And he said, Joshua's in charge now. But don't you realize something? The children of Israel thought that was the worst situation that could have ever happened. Then Moses dying? Oh my God, what are we going to do? Moses is gone? Are you serious? And they mourned. And they stayed there for a month mourning the loss of Moses. But friends, do you realize that they entered the promised land because Moses died and they brought Joshua in charge? And some of you are mourning past seasons in your life. You're mourning that person that you used to be with or mourning that job you used to have or you're mourning something. You're like, man, if only that was the glory days. But I'm telling you that God allows those seasons to die so you can move into the next season that he has for you. Amen? And we have to be ready for that. And sometimes even in church, we're like, man, back in 1987, we had a great church service. I just wish we could do it back in 1987 or 1997 or even 2004 or even last week. And we do the same thing. And God will allow seasons to die even in your spiritual life so you'll move forward. You know that the children of Israel couldn't find the bones of Moses. That's why I said him and God took a walk. There's two people you can't find the bones of. That's Elijah and Moses in the Bible. Because he didn't want them to stay around and worship Moses. He wanted them to move into the promised land. And sometimes we get into that. I I talk to people. Let me just say this. I talk to young people who had bad relationships. I mean, they they were like with this person that beat them. And with this person that was drinking and drugging. And doing all this stuff. And they keep going back to that person. you're like, really? You're going back to that dude? Yeah, I, I am. And they keep going back to a season that continues to destroy them. Because they don't understand that God released them from that to go into a new season. And they don't understand that God will let seasons die in our life so we can move forward into the next thing that he has for us. And friends, let me say this. God allowed hardship and trial because it is pushing you and is creating a perseverance in you that you never thought you had inside of you. You don't know what's inside of you, like I said two weeks ago, until you are pushed to the test. Amen. And then you realize there's a lot more inside of you than you actually thought was there. So this morning, what I want to do, I have three points. You have them in your notes here. The purpose of our persecution. Because let, let, let me tell you something. You guys are going to need this. I don't, know, I don't know who, when, or how. But some of us just came out of a trial, right? Some of you probably just came through that storm. And you're saying, man, that's the worst situation of my life. Some of you going through the worst situation of your life. You're like, man, this is, I don't think it can get any worse than this. And some of you that think everything's hunky-dory, you're getting ready to ride into the worst situations of your life. That's how life goes. Life is in seasons. I'm not trying to be a doomsday prophet. If I stood up here and told you that God's going to bless you and everything's going to be all right and just just realize that no trouble's going to come your way, then I'd be lying to you. Amen? And so what you have to do is look big picture. I, I recently read a book. It's called Great by Choice by Jim Collins. If, if there's any business people in here, they'll understand the book uh, uh, that he wrote, Good to Great. But Great by Choice, he said this. He said, great leaders, I'm going to speak to you as leaders, okay? Great leaders don't ever focus during a crisis on the small thing pay close attention here to this. He says the great leaders that you study in business and in the world, when they're going through something terrible, they focus on the big picture. He said, prime example, how many of you guys have rock climbed? Anybody rock climbed in here? Okay, I don't because I'm scared of heights. But if you're doing rock climbing, you actually have to first of all go and check and make sure all the places you're going to go are secure and sound. And Jim Collins was saying that that he did rock climbing. That's one of the things he does to release from from work and stuff. He said on his first run, it went great. He found every rock where he should go. So he he hooked up. He did all the stuff and went rock climbing. And on the real run, he said that one of the rocks that he thought was steady broke on him. It's kind of like life, isn't it, right? That thing you thought would never break breaks. He said the worst thing you can do in rock climbing is to begin to focus on the rock that broke or, the, or where, you're, you're, where you're slipping at. He said, you've got to get a big picture and then zoom out. Somebody say, zoom out. And you've got to see what's the next step that I've got to take. And friends, when you're going through trials, you've got to get big picture mentality. You can't look at, at small picture and say, oh my God, this is so bad. This is, this, this is terrible. This is the worst thing ever. You've got to begin to look in big picture and say, God, what's my next steps? What do I need to do? And that's what he was showing. So this morning, that's what I want to do for you. Look at Acts 8, verse 1. Acts 8, verse 1. And here's your first point. Persecution pushes us out of our comfort zone. Say comfort zone. That's the first word there in your notes. Acts 8, verse 1. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. See, the Jerusalem church had become content in Jerusalem, as I said before. Can I be even more real with you? They liked reaching people that looked like them and acted like them. They were uncomfortable with people who weren't like them. And they had become ineffective. And what this situation was used, it was used actually to propel them out of their comfort zone of Jerusalem. See, we all have a Jerusalem, don't we? We all have comfort zones in life. And if you stay there long enough, God's going to push you out of a comfort zone so you can fulfill his will. Because you can't be comfortable and do the will of God at the same time. There's some times he'll give you comfort and you better be real happy when he does. Like, God, thank you, it's comfortable. But there are times when God's going to push you out of that comfort zone. If we look back on our life in the tough times, you can realize this. It's caused you to reevaluate, hasn't it? When you've gone through something tough, it causes you to reevaluate your life. And I've heard this said before: you will change your belief system when what you believe does not produce anticipated results anymore. You will change your belief system. See, there's there's things that we believed about life. I used to believe that God did not matter and Jesus did not matter and church was stupid. I'm going to be honest with you. I I did not grow up in church. But when my lifestyle began to go downhill, I realized my belief system or my my lifestyle system wasn't supporting or producing what I needed anymore. And so I realized that when my buddy got saved and his life turned around that I had to change my belief system. So sometimes when you're put in that situation, you're being pushed out of your comfort zone, it changes you to reevaluate even theology. Um, People who have that theology that, as I told you before, it's the name it and claim it, believe it and receive it, blab it and grab it theology. It's it's, it's coined as a word of faith theology, um, which if you're looking for that today, that's not who I am. It was nice meeting you. Thank you for coming to church. Because if you live long enough, it just, God's not in a box and God's not a formula and people will tell you, well, if you just had enough faith, and if you do this, this, and this, then God will do this. But I'm telling you something, you can do everything correctly, and then the exact opposite happens, right? That's what happens in my life. Maybe I don't have enough faith, and you can pray for me after the service. But here's the deal. God will use pain to push you out of your comfort zone. Because, friends, pain is the greatest catalyst for change. When it hurts bad enough, you'll change. See, I had a, a mother come to me when I was in North Carolina, and she said, oh, my son's in jail. Can you please go talk to him? I said, yes, ma'am, I'll, I'll be there. Okay? So I go and talk to this young man. He was unresponded. He was like, yeah, I don't care. Uh-huh. uh I mean, he's just like, he grunted. He didn't even talk. I was trying to talk to him. I said, well, they didn't just leave him here for a couple years, and he'll learn to talk. But the mom said, well, I went and got him out yesterday, and I brought him back home, and we, you know, washed his clothes and cooked dinner for him. We just did everything for him. I said, Okay? She called me two weeks later, he's back in jail again, can you go see him? I said, sure. I went and saw him, he just sat there and grunted. And I talked to her, I said, I think what he needs is stay in jail a little while, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to speak truth to you, I'm not going to be the pastor that says what, what, what you want to hear, and she said, well, he told me that if we leave him in jail, he's going to kill himself. I said, ma'am, I, I'm going to just be real honest with you, I said, number one, he made choices to get put in jail, and there's consequences for your actions. Okay. Number two, he needs to know that if he takes his life, it's his own choice to do that. It's, it's not you are not causing him to do that. Well, I just don't know. They got him out of jail again. So um, they went. He got in jail a third time within a month. He stole their car, stole their money, wrecked it. I mean, it was just terrible. And she come to me again. I said, Do you think it's about time leave him in jail? She said, We can't take him out this time. They're going to leave him in there. And he was in there for three months. And He cried. And he cried and he and he opened up and talked and he was ready to, to change his belief system. He's ready to change his lifestyle because it hurt bad enough. I'm gonna tell you something. He changed his life. He hadn't been in jail since. Because he actually began to hurt bad enough. And the worst thing that we can do sometimes is ask God just to take away all pain. And even in the lives of those, if you're parents in here, sometimes your children need to experience pain. Because if you keep, if you keep from them from pain, they don't continue to make the same choices. And that's what God was using here. He used pain to scatter the the people in Jerusalem. Because they never would have thought of leaving until pain hit them. And sometimes it takes pain in our life to realize that maybe it's time to move to another option. Even in relationships. Some people keep running back to Pookie and Ray Ray and, and he keeps hurting them. And he keeps doing this and doing that and won't do this and that, sometimes you just need to leave the situation. Amen? And get out of the situation. Until it hurts bad enough, it won't change. And churches are the same way. Let me tell you something. I've been at the most ineffective churches that are dying. Dying! I mean, they're, I mean, they're dying. And they will not change. I talked to a pastor this week. It was amazing. I had a meeting with Craig Walker who's in our conference. as a church of about a thousand. He took a church of 35 that was dying. The Norfolk church, a week from shutting the doors, dying, 35 people. That church is running 1,000 today because they were willing to change. It hurt bad enough when they saw the doors shutting. He said, do you want to reach unchurched folks? Do you want to reach the lost or do you want to keep doing church and, and, and memorying the past? Or do you want to move into the future? And friends, until it hurts bad enough, a lot of times we won't move into the next season that God has for us. Sometimes it takes pain to do that. I remember my dad sat down with me. He had a father of the son talk. And my dad's not a believer, I've told you that. My dad's not a Christian at all. I mean, you know, if he died right now, I know where he'd be. Uh, he's not a believer. He'll tell you he's not a believer. But my dad still got wisdom. And you need to realize that sometimes, you know, God used the kings of Assyria that were not believers in the Old Testament. My dad sat down with me when I was uh, about 23 years old and he told me, he said, "Uh, son, he said, "Um, I'm glad you've made changes in your life. I'm glad that you're doing better. I've been saved and I got released from drug and alcohol addiction. And I began to change my life. He said, son, you know, I appreciate you doing your band. I played in a band. And he supported me the whole time. But my dad said, it's, it's time for you to, to make some life decisions. You have no degree. You have no transferable skills. You have no direction in life. And you're 23 years at home still living at home. He says, you've got to make some changes and some direction. He said, I'm willing to support you if you'll do it. He said, here's the deal. And I had a band that toured the nation. I did what a lot of these garage guys want to do. He said, if you'll quit your band, if you'll sell the van and all that stuff, he said, I'll send you debt-free through college. And you pick the college of your choice. He says, I've seen your changes. He says, I know you have a bright future. He said, you've got to get out of this town that we're in, too. It's a very small town, 5,000 people. And I sat down there. I said, Dad, "Um, I'll I'll do that. And my dad put me through college, but it hurt me. I I had to release everything that I was at to move forward into that season. And my dad used pain. He spoke to me with painful words saying, it's time for you to move out of your comfort zone. Because here's the truth, man. Your daddy, God loves you. He loves you just the way you are, but God will never leave you the way that you are. He loves you just like you are. He's not looking for a future you to be in love with. He is as in love with you today as he ever will be. But friends, he will never leave you the way that you are because he sees the potential inside of your life. In Mark 6.56, it says this. Let me just cross-reference here. You can write this in your notes. You don't have to turn there. Mark 6.56. The Bible says wherever he entered, that's Jesus, into villages or cities or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as were touched were made well People were paralyzed and crippled and hurt and friends, here's what they did. They began to run into the streets and lay people out and say, please heal. There there, there was one group that tore the roof up in this guy's house and dropped Jesus through. Why did they do that? Because the pain was enough that they needed change. And they saw their lives change because it hurt bad enough and God will sometimes use pain. So when you're experiencing pain and you're experiencing tough situations, you need to evaluate, take the big picture and say, God. Why is this pain hitting my life? Is there things that you want me to change? Are you trying to push me out of a comfort zone? Because he does everything in love. He never does anything to hurt us. Amen? He does it in love to shape us. Those people would have been in their beds forever until then. Here's point number two. Is this okay so far? Okay, good. Number two. Look at verse five. Point number two is this. Your persecution positions us to encounter God's power, positions us to encounter God's power. Look at verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Just say Samaria. So you need to pay attention to key words in the Bible. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. The second point is this. Persecution comes so you can encounter God's power too. And that people around you can encounter God's power. Look at this with with Philip. He was in Samaria. The first place he goes is Samaria. Say Samaria. You've got to hear this. You've got to understand what Samaria is in that culture. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. I mean, hated each other. If you reference John 4, when Jesus went through Samaria... He says he needed to go through Samaria. What did he do to the disciples? He said, y'all go into the city and buy food. Why did Jesus do that? Because they could not handle ministering to Samaritans. Well, why is that, Kevin? Because Samaritans were what the Jews considered... Unpure bloodline of the Jews. The Jews in the Old Testament were strong. They were like they kept their bloodline pure. One of the reasons was a mandate from God. Why was that? It's because Christ was coming through that bloodline. Okay, there was there's a reason for it. But don't you to realize something? They believed the Samaritans were half Jew and half Assyrian, so they hated the Samaritans. And the first place that God sends the disciples in this scattering is where to Samaria. Racial and prejudice views were torn down. I'm going to say this very boldly. You may need to take a deep breath first. Just just do that real quick. You guys good? Uh, Somebody who's racist, racist or prejudiced will not make it into the kingdom of God. I'm going to say it one more time. I don't think you guys heard me right. Uh, somebody who's race, racist or prejudiced will not make it into the kingdom of God. The first thing they did was they sent them into Samaria to break down walls of, of racial divide. And when you read the Bible, that's one of the keys is that God is God of everyone together who are believers. And the Jews hated them. And I like what happened here. Not only did he go to Samaria, but a great revival broke out. See, there's sometimes when you don't want to do something, you're like, God, I'm unsure, and I'm fearful about doing this thing. It's like back-to-school bash. You know, some people are like, man, I don't know. What's it going to be? And you step out and do it, that you actually get blessed by it. Uh, you can talk to Frankie about Frankie goes to Guyana and has an orphanage there that, that he helps, and he goes to Guyana to, to folks who look nothing like him and sound nothing like him. But he goes to them and blesses them and does ministry with them. I'm going to tell you something. I guarantee Frankie has never once regretted that. Amen. And that's what happened here. They went out. And not only that, but they saw miracles take place. In Samaria, they see miracles. Are you, are you, are you catching me? Are you, are you tracking me here? That they, they saw God's power poured out in their midst. And here, here's the deal, guys. When you're going through a tough situation, it's an opportunity for you to get closer to Jesus. You hear me there? It's an opportunity for you to get closer to Jesus. And I remember this. I was going through a real hard time in ministry. And I was transitioning as a youth pastor to a different church. And I called my mentor. And uh, he's still my mentor today. And I said, you know, Pastor Brent, man, what do I do? Um, I, 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 I feel really torn. I don't know what I should do, blah, blah, blah. And he was going through the same thing at that time. He said, Kevin, just look at it like this. It's an opportunity for us to get closer to Jesus. How about fasting and praying and hearing what God has to say to you? But see, I probably wouldn't have done that unless I was going through the trial that I was going through. Amen? And so a lot of times we've got to realize that it's an opportunity for us to get closer to Jesus. There's a beautiful story, Mark 7:24. You can just, just listen to me here and mark this in your notes for cross-reference. And hopefully, as good Bible students, you'll study this this week. Right on? You guys will take this and study and you're taking notes. So um, you make be really happy when you do that. Mark 7:24. It says, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. Possessed by what? Okay, you guys are listening. Good deal. The woman was a Greek she was a Gentile. She wasn't Jew. You're catching this here. This is when Jesus was ministering. Born in Syrian Phoenicia, she begged Jesus to drive out the demon of her daughter. And here's what Jesus says to her. She's begging him. I want you to listen to this. Okay, this, is a, this is one of the problem texts when you begin to read the Bible, if you read it slowly. Here's Jesus' reply. Are you ready? Are y'all ready for real Jesus first let the children eat all they want he told her who are the children the children of Israel he came for just the Jews when he came his focus was just Jews then the Gentiles were reached in Acts 8 do you see that so Jesus came to minister to Jews while he was here he was focused he had a focused plan from God for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs he just called Gentiles dogs because that's what the Jews referred to them as are you swallowing hard yet? This is the Bible if you, if you read it. But watch this. This is what I love here. This is what she said. She said, yes, Lord, that even the dogs under the table will eat the children's crumbs. Wow. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon had gone. Here's the deal, guys. She had a child possessed by a demon. Now, I know some of y'all got, got, got some, some children to act up, but they ain't possessed by a demon. No, no, they're not. Don't even look at me like that. I mean, could you imagine having a demon-possessed child? I'm so like, yeah, I got one. Probably the worst situation you could imagine for a parent to look at her child throwing the child. Usually, they would throw themselves in the fire and throw themselves in water and go into fits. And you could imagine sleepless nights and the tragedy that she was facing with this demon possessed child. But what I like here is that demon possessed child actually drove her to the feet of Jesus. And she said, Jesus, I will eat your crumbs because I need you. That situation positioned her to encounter God's power. She never would have been recorded in the gospels unless she would have had a demon possessed child. So Satan had planned, we're going to possess this woman's daughter with a demon and we're going to destroy her life. And I love the fact that when she went to Jesus, what happened? She sees deliverance happen, and she encounters God's power. Let me just say this, guys. God hires your trouble to push him closer to him. What are you saying? God is not the author of evil, but listen to me. Listen closely. In the book of Job, what happened? Satan had to go to God to get permission to even go after Job. You see that? And God said, go ahead. Go ahead, because what you're going to do to him is you're going to prove that he's going to be stronger in the end and more blessed than he was after what you do to him. God hired that trouble, and guys, your troubles are employed by God to make you stronger, to see his power in your life, and some of you, if you wouldn't have had the trouble, you never would have sought him like you did. My mom, when she was in her last days of cancer, she sought God like I'd never seen mom seek God before. I'd sit there in hospice and I'd play music on my Pandora on my computer while I worked, and she would sit there and worship the Lord, probably more than she ever had before. It pushed her closer to Jesus. And that's what happens to us. And let me just say this real quick. And this is what the Lord laid on my heart about this here, about going to Samaria. Where is your Jerusalem at? Where is it that you feel uncomfortable ministering to people? Where do the borders of your kindness stop? Where is it that you sit there and you say, I have prejudice about this group of people or that group of people because guys i'm gonna tell you something god is going to fill this church up not because i'm here It's nothing to do with me god's gonna fill this church up because he loves people and he loves lost people he loves unchurched people and when he does as you already see we are not a one group fits all we are a multicultural multi-generational church And if you are uncomfortable with a group of people or the way somebody dresses or the way somebody looks and they come in here, then you're going to miss out on being a part of what God wants to do in this body because I'm telling you something, God, we're going to move forward. And if you don't like certain groups of people and you have a problem with with guys with full sleeve tattoos and piercings or you got a problem with this race or that race, I'm telling you something, God's going to move right on past you and keep doing his work, amen. And you got to ask yourself, and I've been praying, God, where do my borders stop? And here's the scary thing. Some churches would rather dry up and die than reach people outside of their comfort zone. And my gift in here is this I am a shepherd. And if you have a need, I'm going to be there for you. I love you guys. Y'all know how I roll here. Amen? I didn't come to comfort the afflicted, though, I come to afflict the comfortable. That's my gifting. If if, if you've been here just a little bit of time, you'll know that I'm going to afflict the comfortable. If if, if you get comfortable in Christianity as it's always been, I'm going to challenge you. Amen? I'm going to, and and even Jordan has faced some of my affliction already. And and Daisy, and we we meet and we talk and we we mentor and go through things. Some of you guys have. But I believe that's what God wants to do because he wants us to fulfill the potential that he's placed inside of us. Here's your final point this morning in your notes. Point number three is, Persecution prepares us for expansion. And Daisy, if you'll come, Jordan. Acts 8 4 says this Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And verse 8 says, So there was great joy in that city. They preached the word wherever they, their pain built them for expansion, as I was saying earlier. And there was great joy in that city. There was a city touched because somebody experienced the pain that was brought in their life and they allowed it to push them and propel them further. Friends, I'm telling you, some of you have been through uh, that valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23 and you're wondering, God, why? God is trying to expand you. Listen, it's just like a mother. When a mother goes to birth a child, they can't birth a child without facing pain and expansion. Amen? And when a mother gets pregnant, the way that they walk has to change. The way that they eat has to change. The way that they, they interact with people has to change. Because they're birthing something into this world. And you've got to realize this. When God puts a dream inside of you, it's going to change everything. And he's going to prepare you for expansion with that pain that comes. But I'm, I've never seen a mother birth a child and then say, Man, the pain just was not worth this, this child. Have you ever heard that? I've never seen that before in my life. It was always worth it. The pain was always worth it because God was expanding and multiplying. I know recently I I tore my calf muscle. I I play basketball in the mornings and some of y'all laugh, don't laugh, I will take you out. I might be short but I can shoot. Yeah, You laugh, you wait. But I was playing ball and I played ball every morning and I tell you what, I got so I had good stamina going, man. I could run, I could run and run and run for hours. And I felt good and my calf muscle blew out and I couldn't walk. And some of you guys remember when I first came here, the first week I was kind of like this. I couldn't walk very fast and couldn't do much. And so it took two months for this calf muscle to heal up. And my wife asked me, she said, hey, let's go running. I said, sure. And so I got my shoes on, got my brace on, I went out running. And we did about a mile or so. And guys, I felt great. I'm talking about, man, as I'd lost weight since I hurt my calf muscles. So I was lighter. I was like, man, this is excellent. And I was running, man. I was running backwards. I was running sideways. And, and I was doing all that. And I just, I mean, she like stop and take a walk, which was very smart. I wish I would have done that. But I was like, I feel great. The next day, I was like, man, my legs hurt really bad. <laughs> then the next day, I was like... I feel like I'm 90 years old. I couldn't walk. I mean, I felt terrible. But I realized that's the same way I felt when I first started playing ball this year. Your muscles expand and tear, and that's how they build. It's the same way with your faith. It's going to expand, and it's going to be torn a little bit as God begins to expand you in your life. It's going to hurt some. It's pain. I was reading this in Romans 5, 3 through 5, and let me close with this scripture here. Paul says in Romans 5, 3-5, through 5, We also glory in tribulations. Paul, what are you talking about? You glory in tribulations? When's the last time you actually stopped and had a worship service about how bad things are? Has anybody recently... Stop and had a okay. I haven't either. But this is what the Bible says. Why do we glory in these tribulations? Why do we glory in going through pain, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance? That means you keep going and you don't stop and you don't stop. The only way Satan can't win can't uh, can't win is if you just don't quit. He can't win if you don't quit. Perseverance produces character. That means you're tried, you're tested, and character produces hope. He says, now hope does not disappoint. See, what you're going through is producing in your life. It's producing hope. And when you're sitting with somebody else and they're going through trials, you're saying, man, let me tell you, I've been through that. And I know how it feels. And I've been through the same thing. But I can tell you, God brought me through it. And one of the things I love about this church is having saints in this church that have been through it cause some of us go through it and say why Lord what am I going through I'm never going to make it and they'll say I've been broke before I've been so broke we ate Beanie Winnies for three months you're going to be alright it produces hope and that's what God wants to produce in our life And let me say this here as I told you earlier about Habakkuk God why does anybody ask that question this week why why have I got to go through this Habakkuk was asking the same thing. Why? Why are my enemies having victory over me? And God said, I want my glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk, that's my vision. That's huge, isn't it? says but Habakkuk as you are right now you can't fulfill the vision I put inside of you and the only way I can stretch you is to put you through a season of exile because the Israelites were getting exiled to Babylon and Babylon the most wicked people on earth now had charge over the Israelites for 70 years they were in captivity I mean could you imagine that and then God looks at Habakkuk and says, I'm going to use your enemies to do something in you that would not have happened if you just would have stayed in Jerusalem. I see the big picture. God saw this day. He saw salvation. He saw Jesus come and Habakkuk could not see the full picture. He only had to trust that God was doing something inside of him you this morning, guys, I don't know where you're at. Um, I don't know what you're going through. But I know that we're all going through something here today. At some level, some shape, some form. And I'm here to encourage you. There's a purpose for your pain. God never wastes pain. It's only used to prepare us. If you will, just stand to your feet this morning. Just stand to your feet all over this place. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes.